Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, El Conservador, Richie V, Mr. Call Screener, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And we're talking about generals, government spending, and Georgia, where President Trump had a rally this weekend. So we're going to get to that in the third segment. We might also touch on some culture war stuff in the third segment. But right now, I want to jump into what's going on on Capitol Hill this morning. You've got General Milley. Former General Lloyd Austin, the current uh, defense secretary, and they're testifying that they did tell Biden we shouldn't withdraw and that we should leave more troops, despite him going on ABC News and saying the exact opposite of that. General Milley, it's your testimony that you recommended 2,500 troops uh, approximately stay in Afghanistan. Um, as I've said many times before this committee and other committees, I don't share my personal recommendations to the president, but I can tell you my personal opinion and my assessment if that's what you want. Yes, please. Um, yes, my assessment was uh, back in the fall of 20, and it remained consistent throughout, that uh, we should keep a steady state of 2,500, and it could bounce up to 3,500, maybe something like that, uh, in order to move toward a negotiated, gated solution. Did you, uh, present, did you ever present that assessment personally to President Biden? I don't discuss exactly what uh, my conversations are with the sitting president in the Oval Office, but I can tell you what my personal opinion was, and I'm okay. always candid. General McKenzie, do you share that assessment? Senator, I do share that assessment. Um, did you ever present that opinion personally to President Biden? Again, I'm not going to be able to comment on uh, those executive discussions. Did General Miller ever present that opinion personally to President Biden? I think it would be best to ask him. I believe that his opinion was well heard. Your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was split. That, that, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? No, not, at, not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame, all troops. They didn't argue against that. So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. So, of course, the White House is coming out with their own statement on that. And I'm going to give that to you in a second. But I want to read you a little bit of what um, General Milley had to say today. He says, I think one of the other senators said it very well. It was a logistical success, but a strategic failure. I think those are two different terms. Now, I don't know what statistical or um, uh, logistical success, I should say, this might have been because they left behind so much, $85 billion in equipment, military equipment, you know, top uh, notch, top secret stuff. So what was the success in all of this? I don't know. You tell me. But General Milley, he um, 
responded with that statement when asked by Senator Dan Sullivan about his assessment of those operations. And Milley basically came clean saying, yeah, he admitted we should have left 2,500 troops there and that this was a uh, difference of opinion, I guess. Now, on the topic of treason, tipping off the Chinese, letting people know, hey, this is what uh, we're going to be doing. We're going to be bombing you guys, leaking his information about his conversations about President Trump. Well, this is a more complicated web, right? This is a more complicated web of things because while you and me may look at this and say, no, it's pretty cut and dry, General Milley told the enemy that he would give them a heads up if we were going to strike. But the problem is that those that disagree with us philosophically, with our philosophy of of liberty first, America first, they engineer situations where they themselves and those that are with them are making the changes that they would like to see within our government, within our republic, within this nation. For example, you look at all of these big scandals where many of us are, you know, jaw-droppingly surprised and disappointed. James Comey bucking the system, going around Loretta Lynch, making his own assessment as FBI director that we're not going to prosecute or we chose not to do this or I chose not to uh, make these um, criminal referrals or whatever it was that, you know, he said, I'm forgetting the exact term right now, but when he said, you know, Hillary Clinton, what she did was really, really bad, but it wasn't illegal. Right. This was one guy within government going outside of the scope of his role and doing so knowing that it was an area that was gray because this is how these guys operate. These career bureaucrats, they bake in. It's baked into their recipe of how they do their job, just like the 2020 election. Right. So you've got some people you tell them. The election was stolen and other people respond, are you kidding me? A hundred million lawsuits and not a shred of evidence, right? And each side believes wholeheartedly what they're saying because the Supreme Court really should have taken up the Pennsylvania case. The Supreme Court should have probably even taken up the Texas case, at least from what I've read. They seem very legitimate to me, but they didn't. And it's because they, again, they're baking in the way they want to see things. It's their own recipe, not the recipe that was given to us by the founders. So people always say, how come we can't get Biden on treason? Why don't we get General Milley on treason? These guys have baked this stuff in and they're not usually the first ones to trailblaze this. Although Biden does like to be a trailblazer. Like using OSHA for federal mandates of vaccines. Very clever workaround. Probably hasn't been done before. Maybe it was based on previous precedent, but... Very clever, politically, bureaucratically. That's what they specialize in, coming up with ways to build a better mousetrap to screw you and to screw me, we the people, the public. So they build in the fraud. It's institutionalized. I've heard Mark Levin use that term, institutionalizing the fraud into the electoral process, right? Instead of using the rules in the Constitution, we create lawsuits and then have judges rule on these things saying, yes, you can use mail-in ballots for voting during the pandemic because it's a pandemic and we throw the rule book out the window. Now, was that right? A lot of people say, no, it's not right. It was wrong. But did it happen? It sure did. And this is what happens when people say, you know what? I just want to mind my own business. I don't want to do X, Y, and Z. I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to work in government. I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. I just want to be left alone. 
Well, guess what? It's hard to be left alone if you leave all of the decision-making to the other guys. Day after day goes by and people ask me, where are the Republicans? Why are they? Obviously, if you have to, it's like saying, I'm walking down the street and I get mugged and I call the cops and they don't show up. What are you supposed to do? Sit there and complain about the cops? No, at some point you look at the ground, you grab a rock, you grab a bottle, you do what you got to do to defend yourself. Now, I'm not saying people should grab rocks and bottles to defend themselves. Um, Politically speaking, I mean, if you're getting robbed, yeah, do what you got to do. But I am saying if the cops aren't doing their job, if law enforcement isn't doing their job, if the FBI isn't doing its job, if the courts aren't doing their job, what does that tell you? These are public servants and it's their time to go. They have to go. Now, I know a lot of you are saying, well, then why don't you run for office, Rich? Well, look, I have. A, I served on a school board for close to a decade or maybe more like nine years. And I, I, I ran for state office once and I lost. And I, you know, I, I tried it and it didn't work for me. I got I got stomped, actually. But point I'm making is you got to get in the ring and swing if you want to have a shot at the title, a shot at even winning. You have to fight. If we don't do it, who will? And that's where we're at. Because while we're sitting there saying, oh, look, I'm going to drive my truck. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the other. They're saying we're going to have lawsuit after lawsuit where we go before judges and we're going to have these strategies where we get what we want, whether it's through changing election law by lawsuit, which usurps the Constitution and is its own area of grayness that needs to be figured out. And they go along, buying off person after person, influencing people as they go, creating this huge web. So when it comes to General Milley saying these things, He's looking at precedent where it's like, yeah, no, it's pretty well-established procedure for for generals on our side to talk with generals in other countries. And, you know, we may at times have conflict with those generals. And whether you and I think that's right or wrong, that's already baked into the recipe. That's already institutionalized into their procedure. That's how they do it. And that's the point I'm making. Everything has gotten baked in. And now people love to use the term woke or, you know, they're asleep and they're awake. I don't like these terms. I think they're offensive. But if you want to use those terms and say, well, you know, a lot of people have been asleep, but now they're awake. It may be too late. I mean, you you might have been asleep and woken up at noon. But if you had to be at work at seven, you missed it. And I think that's what's happened here, quite frankly, is the government is something that has been totally overrun. It's no longer being run by the Constitution. It's being run by corruption. That is the problem that we have. So how do we fix that? It didn't take us, uh, you know, five minutes to get here. It took us 50 or 100 years of people doing what they wanted to do within our system, being committed to that. So we have to be just as committed. Now, of course, if you're one of those radicals that's like, well, Rich, the time for talking and changing hearts and minds has come and gone. We need more. I say, find a different show to listen to because I'm, I don't believe, I honestly don't even believe it would work. I've talked about this on the radio before. I don't believe that if everybody just got tons of ammo and tons of guns, all of a sudden we just magically win. Who is the enemy? Who do you go after? Where is the battlefield? These are all legitimate questions. I've had some people tell me, no, you just go door to door. Everybody that voted for Biden, just pull them right out of their houses and grab. I'm thinking you're, you're absolutely insane, even suggesting such a thing, right? I mean, they're the ones that are literally in control, right? The Democrats are in control of the White House. They're in control of Congress. They're in control of the Senate. And if you look at when Republican initiatives come before the court, they don't typically do well. And they're not really Republican initiatives, but 
initiatives, cases that Republicans would like to see a favorable outcome on, they don't go anywhere. But when it's cases that are, you know, uh, favorable to the left, they typically get what they want. Or they just say, oh, we're not getting involved. And they abstain from doing anything, just like you saw in the 2020 election. So I look at all of that and I say, very difficult to argue these things because it's easy for me to fold my arms and go, fraud, stolen, Trump won. He's the legitimate president. But Joe Biden is sitting in the White House. Joe Biden does have the nuclear codes. He can launch a nuclear attack. He is destroying the economy. He is eroding the sense of the um, esprit de corps, right? The, the, the spirit of our common union here, denigrating it day by day with vaccine mandates, with an open border, with an economy that's in shambles and likely going to get worse. So this baked in fraud, the baked in lies that come with this administration, we have to get rid of these people. That's the only way. Now, I'm not saying to go out there and hurt them. I don't even think you could do that. They've got more guns, more firepower, more air support, more everything. So I would never recommend that. Good luck taking on City Hall that way. But I do think you can push ideologically because that is where the battlefield is. This is a battle of ideas. And I know I sound like a broken record. It doesn't matter what topic you give me. We end up there because that is what has to be fixed. If you want your kids to learn to love the flag, you need teachers that are going to start a classroom in the morning that, you know, say, all right, boys and girls, stand up and salute the flag. And here's why America's great. And America created air conditioning. And we came up with the coronavirus vaccine. Even if you don't like the vaccine, my point is cutting edge medical treatment, cutting edge space exploration. Cutting edge, just about everything. IBM, the personal computer, the Ford Model T. So many things came from American industriousness. And that is lost. We are the best and longest lasting experiment in a free republic that there's ever been. And that gets lost on people because they want to focus on where we went wrong, on how we're the only country ever to fight a civil war to stop slavery. And of course, people are going to try, well, it wasn't about that because Lincoln was this and blah, blah. If you want to live in the past and continue to perpetuate those things that will hold America back, that's on you. Because I say it all the time. You either love America or you don't. You either love liberty or you don't. And that's why we have to take this action. That's why we have to be the change that we want to see in this America. We have to be the change that we want to see in our school board. We have to be the change that we want to see in our government. And speaking of government, we're going to get to government spending in the next segment. But everybody's in on the con because it's baked in. And uh, on the other side of this, I'm going to share with you how a con that I just recently pulled off. And uh, don't worry, nothing sinister. It was a surprise party for my kid. So I'm going to share that with you. But I'm going to make the juxtaposition of how that works in government and how similar, eerily similar it is with a surprise party. <laughs> anyway, don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. 
Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. In times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter. JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash rich. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And we're talking about the government and how they've baked in fraud and how they baked in the lies. And it's all part of the evil recipe in the swamp stew that is Washington, D.C. and Joe Biden. And what's fascinating to me is that the same way we would plan a surprise party for a family member, which I did, and I'll get a little bit more into a little bit after this, it's the same thing. Once you pull off the con, if you will, everybody's in on it. And that's exactly what happens in Washington. So it doesn't matter if you're on one team versus another team. And people say, oh, but where are the Republicans? The Republicans that you're complaining about are the ones that are part of the problem. So get rid of them. Move to the state that they live in if you have to. Now, listen, I know I'm being extreme. I do get that I'm being extreme. But maybe I'm extreme. Maybe I'm an extremist, a uh, patriotic extremist, if you want to call me that. I'm happy to take that moniker. My point is we have to do these things. People have to do them. We have to take that action. Otherwise, they're going to spend us into oblivion. Look, Nancy Pelosi was on ABC this week, and she says that the reconciliation bill will be paid for by those who haven't been paying their fair share. Now, listen, everybody's known this whole fair share thing. This is one of the oldest lines in the book. Good old AOC, all out crazy, our least favorite congressperson from the Bronx and Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Ocasio. What's her last name? Cortez. That's right. AOC all out crazy. She uses this line all the time. Barack Obama used this line all the time. They somehow think that there is an innate hatred toward the rich. And perhaps there is. And maybe it's one that they perpetuate. Or it's maybe something that, like me, as a kid, part of my whole conversion to this stuff, as a little kid. I mean, I remember my mom watching Reagan do his, like, 8 p.m. address on TV. And I remember people talking about politics as I was young, very young, saying things like, well, listen, Democrats are for the poor, but Republicans are for the rich. And I used to think to myself, well, I am poor. Like we were poor. You know, my siblings and I have actually, when there was that cheese surplus from the, from the farmers back in the eighties during the Reagan administration, uh, they gave out government cheese. And my siblings and I actually were on a line at the back of a truck and got a block of government cheese. We were poor. We didn't live in the projects poor. We were probably just a step above that. Um, You know, I'm sure there were people more poor than us, but we were poor. And you you look at that and you think, wow, this is um, a fascinating place that we've landed in where you sell the idea that there's virtue in being poor. Now, look, I don't think that it's virtuous to be rich or virtuous to be poor. 
you probably can be more virtuous if you're poor, if you want to get spiritual about it. But I don't believe that it's somehow ideal or virtuous to strive to be the poor. I think it's ideal to strive to become the rich guy, right? Spend your whole life doing it. Maybe you get it, maybe you don't. But don't sit there and think, so if you tell me, look, Democrats are for the poor, then I don't want the Democrats. I don't want to be poor. Tried it already. Didn't work out great. I'm going to go with the other guys. I like the country clubs and all that stuff. It's a lot better than the free pool that turns green when people pee in it. So my point was, people don't want to live that way. Now, some people, when they're really destitute, they might, they might accept that handout rather than the hand up because they don't know the hand up is there or they've been accustomed to it. But in a place like America where there's so much opportunity, why would anybody settle for less? Who wants to live in the projects when you can have your own apartment, buy your own home, build a skyscraper, right? Sky's literally the limit. But for Nancy Pelosi, this doesn't exist, even though she's worth $150 million herself. She says reconciliation, that bill has to be paid for by those who haven't been paying their fair share. Listen to this. Well, Chuck Schumer and I and Secretary Yellen the other day came forward in a press event and said that we had reached a framework of agreement. People said, well, what are the specific? Well, we'll see what we need. We'll see how the number comes down and what we need in that regard. But we have agreed on an array of, of pay-fors in the legislation. The, this will be paid for. So when some say, oh, well, what about inflation? It will be paid for. And that's the, the beauty of it by having those in our, our economy and society who have not paid their fair share, paying their fair share. So again, the Senate and the House, those who are not in full agreement with the president's right, let's see what our value, let's not talk about numbers let's, and dollars, let's talk about values. And the, Is the values solution are about, I'm sorry? Is the solution to paying for it a carbon tax? There's an array of issues that are there. <laughs> wow. So. She tees it up just to attack the rich, to attack success in America. Then he says, is the solution a carbon tax? Like, haven't we talked about this a million times and it's still the same conversation? You know, you have to drive a Tesla, you have to drive an electric vehicle, or if you are Satan incarnate, that's just the bottom line. And she gives, you know, the typical obfuscation. Well, there's an array of issues there, George. Of course there are. This is, to me, Nancy La Bruja Pelosi doing what she does best, stirring the pot, or stirring her cauldron, I should say, when she takes off her witch's hat. This is bad news, very bad news, because now they're pushing the idea or the talking point or the narrative that this bill isn't going to cost anything. $3.5 trillion in this reconciliation package, and it's actually only going to cost zero. Now, what I find fascinating about this is that AOC constantly talks about who's going to pay for the tax cuts. I mean, this, again, simple um, economics. And, you know, I had a couple of small businesses, so I kind of get it. It's better to have some part of the dollar than no part of the dollar, right? And that's, I think, how a lot of small business people tend to think. And they grow and maybe they can become a little bit more discriminating and say, you know what? Nah, this is my price. And if you like my price, great. If you don't like my price, take care because they can afford to lose that business. But AOC, it seems maybe never ran a business or doesn't get how that works. Or even, you know, Jen Psaki, Jen Circle Back Psaki, Silent P, as I like to call her, or um, Nancy Pelosi, La Bruja. They, they all seem to not get this. But when, when you have a coupon or a discount, 
who is it that is paying for it? Right? So maybe when you buy a set of tires and they say there's going to be a manufacturer's rebate, then that manufacturer will send you money because you bought their product. They'll give you a discount, but they got to make sure you pay for it up front. Okay. I get the rebate part of it. But if it's a tax cut, right? If it's if if you go up to the toll booth and there's a cop at the toll booth and he says, they're not collecting tolls today. Just come through. Who paid for the toll? Nobody paid for the toll. There was no money earned. It doesn't cost money for you to drive on that street. They charge you money because it's a scam. It's a toll, right? It's another tax. So when, when they give a tax cut, if they eliminated tolls, that would eliminate revenue from the government. Nobody's paying for that. In effect, we're all saving money because that money is our money. It's the money that they take from the taxpayer. And this to me is such a simple concept. It's like a coupon. Who pays for the coupon? It's again, either the manufacturer or nobody, right? Because you're just paying less for something that you're already buying. So instead of paying a dollar for it, you're paying 50 cents. Does that mean that the store lost 50 cents or that they just didn't earn 50 cents? Now, I guess it depends on what school of thought you come from, but I got news for you. You can only lose money that you've had. I mean, we, we can use it in, in our everyday vernacular. Oh, no, if I sell it for that much, I'm losing money on the deal. Well, then then don't lose. Don't sell it for that much. Or take the loss and write the loss off because that's something that's done in business. But somehow the government can never do that. The government never has that type of arrangement. So when they say, who's going to pay for this or it's not going to cost zero, it's literally hundreds of... Uh, Oh, right. It's trillions. It's 3.5 trillion that, you know, many are saying there's a lot more because these this 3.5 trillion is based on what's scheduled to end in the bill. If it renews, it would really be like 5.5 trillion. Yet Jen Pasirko back Pasaki says, no, 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 it's actually zero. Listen to this. There's not disagreement about the fundamentals of what we're trying to achieve. And there is agreement that we need to uh, address the climate crisis, that we need to cut costs for childcare, for college, uh, that we need to make it easier for women to rejoin the workforce. We need to rebuild and modernize our infrastructure. So there's not there's agreement on that. There's a basic uh, discussion that needs to happen or is ongoing. Uh, we're right in the weeds of it now on what the size of the package looks like. But I will also note, uh, and we've done this a little bit over the past couple of days, but that this package, the reconciliation package, would cost zero dollars. Oh, OK. So then uh, we, she should note that we've done this a little bit over the past couple of days. And this package, the reconciliation package, would cost zero dollars. Wow. So when it's convenient for them, they decide to use the right math. But guess what? It's not it's convenient, but it's wrong. And it doesn't matter if Pramila Jayapal says it, if Catherine Rampell says it, whoever's saying that the bill is going to cost nothing. This is wordplay. Every bill costs something unless it's a tax cutting bill, because you're spending the people's money to do this stuff. And I mean, I hate to sound cynical here, but how dumb do they think that the American people are? This is what gets me frustrated. But Rep. Pramila Jayapal, she said this on CNN just on Sunday, 3.5 spending is a $0 bill paid for with, guess what? Tax dollars. You guessed it right. Listen to this. Do you think it's possible that the price tag will come down? I've heard the number $2 trillion floated as a possible endpoint. I think we should look, first of all, as I said to the president, I heard him say, this is a zero dollar bill because it's all going to be paid for with taxes on the wealthiest corporations and the wealthiest individuals, which, by the way, makes it more popular than it was even before. And it's already very popular. But 
Um, ultimately, I think it depends on what we put in there. We put our proposal out. It was it cost three point five trillion when you add everything up. Right. But if somebody wants to take something out, we need to hear what that is. I don't know what I don't know what the alternative proposal is. So well, it's difficult for me to say. So she doesn't know what the alternative proposal is. So it's difficult for her to say. There is no alternative when you're a progressive Democrat. Because all you want to do is take more money, and he who has it most is the rich person. And it's he's the easiest boogeyman to create. Listen, we'll go after the rich guy. Go after this one. Go after that one. But then at the same time, those guys run corporations that get all these tons of write-offs. So while they are paying taxes, they're also getting away on a lot of taxes, just like Joe Barbosa Biden himself, who got away on a bunch of taxes in his own uh, S-corporation. They don't like to talk about that too much. But it's interesting to say, oh, Amazon doesn't pay tax. Trump didn't pay tax. This one, didn't. nobody pays tax yet. They're they're getting all their money from these people, and of course, this always trickles down to the middle class, right? The middle income earner, because they're they're like, well, the super wealthy, and they put like four people up there, and they go, and then they lower that threshold as they go, to include people that are like, you know, two people making seventy five k might be the cutoff. So if you make eighty, guess what? You've just become the wealthy. So now you have these class wars where you got people that are like, well, you know what? I, I only made 68000 last year, so <laughs> screw you, buddy. But guess what, Mr. 68000 Don't you wish you made seventy four? Don't you wish you could have taken that Hawaii trip? And maybe if you get a, a, a side hustle or a part-time or you start a business on the side, that puts you over that hump? Or what if it's the threshold is three hundred k and you got two people that are successful in their work and they make $150 apiece, married couple, boom. Now you're at 300. Now you're part of the millionaire's tax. You guys are the, the filthy rich that should be screwed. Absolute insanity. That's why I think Marjorie Taylor Greene, a representative in Congress, she says that we're looking at a, a bill and voting on this bill that includes this $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. And quite frankly, it's mostly socialism. It's mostly government-funded programs, things that the government was not traditionally in, like paving roads. Some people say, oh, you don't like socialism? Do you like paved roads? I mean, some of the things that people say are so stupid. They really are. They just try to be so black and white on things that just have no no common sense value whatsoever. But I think uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene nails it on this one. Listen to this. I'd like to address uh, the 117th Congress and talk about our national debt. Currently, we are at $28,809,752,000,000, and the numbers are rising so fast, I, I couldn't name them all. But it's continuing to rise, yet we are considering a budget this week at $4.3 trillion, which would be the most expensive piece of legislation in United States history, which is mind-boggling, especially considering the fact that we also are looking at voting on a $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that is mostly socialism, giving things away for free and wasting the taxpayers' dollars. Slow clap, standing O for Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know why? Because she told the truth. Things that you and me know, and she's saying, hello, we can't keep spending money on this stuff just giving things away for free and wasting taxpayer dollars. I mean, she's 100% right. And no matter what you say, they're always going to have a response, whether it was General Milley 
saying that, oh, we, we did hit, say we should keep 2,500 troops, or Mackenzie saying, no, no. So all I have to say to Jen, per circle back, Pasaki, to Nancy Labruja Pelosi, is let me keep more of my money, like Reagan said, get off my back and out of my pocket. I'm going to get into all of that and so much more because I want to be able to save my money and do fun things with my family. Plus, I'm going to tell you about my kid's surprise party and tie it into all of the stuff that we're talking about. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Welcome back. Segment three, we're going to talk about Georgia and Trump's rally in Georgia. Plus, I'm going to tie it all up and talk about my kid's surprise party. She uh, turned 16, and uh, well, I guess I can give you some of that story uh, right after we jump into the Trump stuff. But I think Trump was uh, spot on, and he always is. And I guess I, I would I would be remiss if I didn't play some of the audio from Trump's rally, because I think so few say it as good as him. I saw a meme today, or maybe over the weekend I saw it, and I saw it again while I was scrolling early. And, and it has a, uh, a side-by-side comparison of how Trump responded to um, the killing of General Soleimani, saying, he died like a dog. And then it had Biden saying something, today we executed a military strike. And uh, and it was, you know, to me, it was so funny. And I think some people look at that and say, oh, you're pathetic. You're sick. There's no way that you could appreciate somebody who lacks such couth and who is so... Um, rough around the edges or whatever it is they want to critique President Trump as. And I think that's exactly what I like about him. I love the fact that he's messing things up, kicking ass, taking names. But that's him and that's me. And I guess that's, uh, I think, what America needs. Less pomp and circumstance and more patriotism, more bluntness. Donald Trump is in Perry, Georgia on Saturday. And he says, in just eight months... Biden and the radical left Democrats are well on their way to turning America into a third world country. Anyway, he does it better than me, so listen to this. In just eight months, Joe Biden and the radical Democrats are well on their way to turning America into a third world nation. That's what's happening. You see it here as much as anybody. I told you so during the election and during the campaign. Inflation is skyrocketing. Unemployment is rising at a level that nobody can believe. Main streets are being boarded up. Murders are through the roof. You look at what's happening in these Democrat-run cities. Violent gangs are drugged out. Vagrants are taking over our big cities, our once great cities. Corruption is rampant. The senior ranks of our military have been politicized. Our leaders are issuing unconstitutional executive mandates, and our country is being turned into a migrant camp. It's what we are. 
Other than that, how are things going? And he's exactly right. That's what we talked about in segment one. Our leaders are issuing unconstitutional executive mandates and our country's being turned into a migrant camp. Now, you minus the migrant camp, these unconstitutional executive mandates in the country, they pertain to voting. They pertain to school curriculum. They ap- uh, apply to just about everything. And it, to me, is so frustrating. And I know Americans coast to coast are frustrated, but we're not a monolith. So while you have some Americans that are frustrated, you have other Americans that are equally as frustrated that they don't have universal daycare, they don't have uh, universal basic income, you know, paycheck just for the sake of existing. And that's my point. This is ideological. This is a battle of ideas because their right and wrong are different from our right and wrong. And there's always going to be differences of opinion, but it doesn't mean that we can't continue to talk and we have to continue to promote liberty and promote what we believe in. The agenda is liberty. The agenda is libertad. We can't lose sight of that. But anyway, Trump goes on and he says, look, the greatest crisis and catastrophe in the country is happening at the border. And I don't necessarily disagree with him. Domestically, I think that's way bigger than any white supremacist. You've got, I think, a million people that have been admitted. Some are saying as high as two million. 200,000 a month. I mean, just it's just a crazy astronomical figure of people coming into the country that are not being checked to see if they're ill. And I'm not presuming that they're ill. I'm just saying they're just not being checked because Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, said they're not. And Jen Pasaki circled back and said, well, they're not staying long, so why would we test them? I mean, <laughs> it's just you can't make this stuff up. But Trump talks about this and says it's the greatest crisis facing the nation. Check this out. There's no greater crisis facing our nation today than the catastrophe on our southern border. You've been watching it and a lot of the fake news and you got a lot of them back. Look at all of those fake news. It's amazing. They're doing our country no favor. They're doing you no favor and they're doing themselves no favor. American sovereignty is being extinguished by the deliberate and willful policies put in place by Joe Biden and the left-wing extremists he has installed in power. I don't know if Joe is exactly involved. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. But somebody's really screwing up our country. They're destroying our country. In Del Rio, Texas, you've been watching. Tens of thousands of illegal immigrants have overrun our borders in recent days while laughing in the faces of our border patrol agents. And they're going after the riders of the horses, not the people that came in illegally. Isn't that incredible? And they've just put them under watch. They're in big trouble, the riders of those horses. Most people would say they were doing one hell of a job, right? Don't you think? All right, so now we've got Trump nailing it here. Yeah, I think it's incredible that they're screwing this up so quickly and so viciously. And they just keep doing these things. Yeah, so yes, I agree with you, El Trumpito Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States. But what are we going to do? I mean, Trump summed it up really well when he described what went down in Afghanistan, the way Biden surrendered. And that's kind of how we started today's show, talking about the disaster in Afghanistan, talking about how... Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, former general, 
how General Milley, how General McKenzie, they're all saying the same thing. We told Biden to keep the troops there. So Jen Pasirko back Pasaki can say whatever she wants to say to defend Biden, saying, well, there was a split decision. There was a difference of opinions. It doesn't matter because those three guys are the main three guys, one on the ground in Afghanistan, the one on the ground in Washington, and the one that reports directly to the president. So you tell me who's who and what's what. Obviously, these are the guys that he should have been listening to. Who was he going to listen to? Now, I understand Trump had the same guys telling him the same things. And what did he do? He jumped on a plane and went to talk to the generals on the ground to go to the next one beneath them to get that bird's eye view. All right, great. And then you make a call. I don't know if Biden's doing that. If he did, he should say so. Look, I I didn't want to listen to the stuff suit generals. I wanted to go to the generals on the ground. And he says it all the time. They're, They're great generals. But that's exactly what happened here. This was a surrender. And we're still paying the price for it. Anyway, listen to this. Biden surrendered our forts and air base in Bagram. You know, we were going to keep the air base because it's right right next to China. And their military institutions and their installations, and they have a lot of things surrounding it. And we had this big, beautiful air base that cost billions of dollars to build. And we were gone. We didn't even turn out the lights. And one day we were gone. And you know who's looking at it now and who's all over it? China! We were never leaving that. We had a perfect plan and they were listening to us. Abdul, Abdul, you can't shoot our soldiers. You know what? For 18 months, we didn't have one soldier killed. They listened to me. I said, you can't do it, Abdul. We'll hit you harder than you've ever been hit. You can't do it. And he understood that and he left us alone and we would have never moved our military out first. We would have never, they would have gone last. So I think Trump makes a lot of sense when he puts this stuff out there and says, look, you take the soldiers home last, you do that. To me, it's just incredibly normal. It's a, it's a recipe for doing things the right way, right? It's like, you know, you, you bring in the cleaning crew after the party's over, not before the party's over because you can't start cleaning up because people are still partying and making a mess. And I hate to compare Afghanistan to a party, but that's my segue to talk about my kid's surprise party and how I pulled off this immaculate, uh, I shouldn't say immaculate, but um, intricate, maybe I'm breaking my arm, patting myself on the back here, but a really uh, well thought out plan to uh, trick my kid. And the reason is because when she turned 15 last year, she wanted a quinceañera. Like so many uh, uh, Americans of Hispanic descent, we like to hold on to our traditions. And one of our cultural traditions is to have a quinceañera. That's a sweet 15, if you will. And, you know, it's a coming of age type of ceremony that the family's involved in. And they're very, there's lots of pomp, lots of circumstance. Really, uh, really nice, though. They're a good time. She wanted one. And it wasn't possible because of the coronavirus during the shutdowns and whatnot. So I said, look, we'll see what we could do next year. So, you know, earlier in the year, a few months back, I was like, so, um, you know, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking for a Sweet 16? She says, well, I really don't want a Sweet 16. I really only wanted a quinceañera. And I said, all right, your wish is my command. No Sweet 16 for you. And she then, you know, then she began to lobby and negotiate and say, well, if whatever money you're going to spend on that, maybe spend a little bit of that money and just buy me a bunch of shoes. And she wanted like a thousand bucks to buy shoes. And I was like, you're out of your mind. That's not happening here. But. I give her an A for effort in her negotiating skills. But I, I thought to myself, maybe this is a perfect opportunity to give her a surprise party, just like we gave a, a surprise 16th birthday to my other daughter, Jada. So 
uh, I thought, hmm, the wheels started spinning. And I said, let me see how I could pull this off. So I began for months downplaying her 16th birthday, saying, oh, it wasn't a big deal, you know, blah, blah, blah. We'll, we'll do something nice. I'll take you out to a really nice restaurant, et cetera, et cetera. I'll buy you a few things. We'll, we'll really do it up nice since you don't want to party. And she bought it. And we had the whole family in on it. So, you know, there was 50 people involved and, and even more, the people from the restaurant, everybody. And this is the point, right? So... When we rolled up to the restaurant on the day of the event, actually, let me start a little further back. She wanted to have makeup. So I suggested, let's get you to the makeup artist at the salon, blah, blah, blah. And how did we do that? Why? I said, well, we'll take pictures at the restaurant. The restaurant's on the Hudson River. The backdrop is New York City. So I figured, you know, she would believe me if I told her you should get your makeup done to take pictures, blah, blah, blah. She bought it. We did the makeup. She bought it. We were going. I had the restaurant stage a whole thing saying that there was no seating where you could see New York City. There was no outdoor seating available. They only could seat us in the second floor of their facility, which is a banquet hall. And at that time, I did my shtick saying, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. I made this reservation a month ago. It's my kid's birthday. And, uh, oh, we're really sorry, blah, blah, blah. And lo and behold, they open up the double doors. And surprise! And I didn't set it up well enough. I should, probably should have let her in on the con because she walked in and she thought she was walking into someone else's surprise party. And it took her probably a good 15 or 20 seconds to see the faces in the room and then realize, oh my God, those are my family members. But you could see from the video, when she looked around, she thought, oh my gosh, why is my grandmother here? Oh my gosh, those are my friends from school. It didn't click right away. <laughs> she thought, they're here too? How odd. And then she figured out, oh my gosh, it's my birthday. This is a surprise sweet 16 party for me. And it was just really a lot of fun. And you guys know I love my children. I love my family. So I wanted to share that with you. But the way it fits all together is everybody was in on the con except her. So she, in this scenario, is devoted. It says, I work hard. I pay my taxes. And if you commit treason, you should go to jail. And if you do a crime, you should go to jail. But she's the only one that thinks that because everybody else is in on the con and knows that what we're doing is a surprise party. And that's how Washington works. And surprise, the joke's on us. We're the suckers. We're the mark in the con. They take the tax money, both sides of the aisle. I'm all for the Republican Party because they're worse than the Democrats. And I think the leadership right now is going in the right direction. But it doesn't mean every member of the Republican Party is somehow sacrosanct. And quite frankly, there's a handful that are stellar that are out there, you know, beating the drum for the cause. And not the Republican cause, but the American cause the liberty cause. And what are you going to do? You got to get rid of them. We got to replace them. One way or another, it has to be done. We have to be the change we want to see in the world so that we're not being surprised anymore, so that we're not the mark in the con. We have to stand for something because if we stand for nothing, we'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like us to sit there and do nothing. So you know what you've got to do. In the next episode, we're going to talk with, uh, I think, hopefully in the next episode of the one after, we're going to talk with our buddy James Agresti, put out this great report on mask wearing and a few other things from the Just Facts Institute, justfacts.com. Check them out, justfacts.com slash rich and sign up for free. No charge on any of the great information they put out. But until the next time, hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America.
Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.